probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. You're listening to the Star Wars Sessions with Matt Hudson and Luke Bly. This is where the fun begins. Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the galaxy and welcome to Star Wars Sessions. Come for the Star Wars, stay for the Sessions. My name is Matt Hudson, aka Jabba the Hud, and joining me, as ever, in the cockpit of the Essex Falcon, he's the greatest Star Wars man, fan and buddy out there. And a 2015 Star Wars Marvel comic, first ever edition, had a place called Simon One, and they called that uh, the most well-protected Imperial Weapons Factory in the galaxy, Simon One. Come on, you know where this is going now. What they meant to write was Bly Moon One. <laughs> yes! I was thinking, how on earth is he going to do it? It's our 98th episode. My boy, you filthy lad. I'm loving it. Well done, mate. Another Bly pun. We're getting there. We're getting there. It's not long until you never have to do it again. Just stick with Bly Walker. Mate, there is going to be a sad day when that comes. But I have got another one. But as I mentioned on a little event we're going to talk about in a minute, I've actually forgotten it. So I've got another week now to try and remember it. And all I've got to do is come up with a triumphant final one. And we're and we're laughing, but before we get into any any other filth, how are you? Oh mate, I'm all right. I'm all right. As as per usual, in the UK, we're on another uh, lockdown, or we're still in a lockdown, I should mm. say. Um, so you know, that's it really. So instead, I'm going to kick it a bit old school, and um, I'm going to say, Matty boy, I'm good. I had a nice dinner. I had leftover reheated like roast meats from our roast dinner on the weekend <laughs> yes <laughs> on Thursday we had roast a roast chicken and roast gammon oh Mate, yes it was yes. mad and so we had loads of stuff it was like leftovers night so um i'm gonna i'm gonna throw it back to you may boy how are you and uh what did you have for dinner uh, i'm all right thank you very much my friend what did i have for dinner i've just told you actually i had buffalo chicken wings which were which tasted nothing like buffalo it was literally just salt and pepper and chili which kind of got me you know it got me hanging so that's not that's not what i signed up for i wanted the heat i wanted the buffalo in my face but uh so i've had those and now i've literally got a mini chicken coma going on and then uh i gave uh i gave the nipper some some little sweet pancakes i was like well kind of have to have one myself uh before the health kick kicks in so i am literally stuffed to the brim but if there's anything that can get me out of a food coma, it's Bly Walker and it's Star Wars. And <laughs> it's getting some good news from our Patreons once again, eh, mate? Oh, mate, yes. Another week and we got a new a couple of patrons as part of the community, the spicy community. Uh, big shout outs all round to our first patron who signed up this week. Of course, it is Megan who joined that. That this is where the fun begins tier. Thank you so much, MC Megan. Uh, look up Megan on Instagram, little arty thing. Her, her art is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's just posted a Princess Leia um, illustration, and it looks so good. So good. So good. <laughs> And um, yeah, and and also another cheeky shout out to our boy Ant Goodman, who signed up at the Hello There 
tier. Welcome aboard the Spice Train, Megan and Ant. That's it. Ant is the uh, owner of some fantastic facial fuzz as well. Uh, yeah, both. Thank you. You know what I always say. We hope you enjoy the content. We've got some good stuff coming in the next few days. We've got a jibber jab, we've got a journal, and we've got a podcast coming as well. Um, so we hope you enjoy those. Go back and listen to the back catalogue. There's oodles of content covering all sorts of Star Wars. So go check that out, and we'd love to hear your thoughts on it. But we're just so very grateful that you've decided to sign up at those tiers. And uh, yeah, hats off to you. Thank you so much, guys. Yeah, and just uh, talking of the patrons, Matty Boy, we had an eventful weekend um, because it was our Bad Boy remix, Zoom Watch Along, of Return of the Jedi with the patrons, and it was litty, lit, litty. It was like the highlight of the lockdown for me. It was under the highlights of the lockdown, just hanging out, seeing people you know that you only see on instagram and twitter but you're actually in a zoom room or chatting with each other it was so much fun man and um i don't know i've got the bug matty boy i've got the bug we've got to do some more <laughs> tested no we are yeah it was it was it was uh more litty than a little kitty it was great we had what 20 about 20 patrons i think it was jumped on um to come and sit down and watch return of the jedi with us we uh most people got pizza. Shout out to my brother, Sean. Thank you for the beer and pizza. You saved my life. What a king. Um, and we just had, all had a chat, basically, whilst watching the film. Uh, some people were at home by, watching by themselves. Some had their significant others. Uh, Lara, one, Lara, what a queen. She was at work joining in, which is a testament to how wonderful our patrons really are. And yes, I cannot wait to do the next one. We're going to pick a random one at some point soon. And we know it's going to be as good as this one was. And if it is, it's going to be an absolute blast. We want to thank everyone who came along and gave their evening up to, to sit with master Blywalk and I and watch and talk some star Wars. It's an absolute blast. So thank you, you guys as well. Well, do you know what cracked me up during the old Zoom watch along was um, you mentioned people like the, the their other halves like joining in and stuff. And uh, we were talking about Dennis Lawson, you know, Wedge Antilles and stuff. And I was like, yeah, he was in uh, he was in this series that I really liked called Bleak House. And I swear, like everyone was staring blank at the screen apart from our boy, Robert Lawson. Oh, and, boy. and shout out to Stuart Howe's wife. Who was also doing the watch along in the background, and her her ears were like, "Oh, oh, yeah, I know Bleak House. Yeah, that was this really good. Like it. it was, wasn't it? It was really good. It was a good TV show, limited series, BBC. Check it out. Timsky's um, got horns. It's, it's wonderful. It was great. Emily Bonner's hair, you know, like Holdo's hair. It was great. It was it was good crack, and I can't wait to do more, man. I I, I just I'm so grateful for our patron community, man. Really am. Yes, uh, I absolutely second that, mate. So in the absence of commentaries, which we enjoy doing, we've actually managed to expand and get everybody involved in like a pseudo commentary. And it was just incredible. So uh, look out for more when we do them. We'll drop them on the Patreon. If you want to sign up, we'll give all those details of how to sign up later on in the show. Because in the background, I can hear that ominous ringing. Sounds like the bells of Big Ben Kenobi, my friend. Oh, it's the Galactic News Round. Lucasfilm Games and Ubisoft are collaborating on a new story-driven open-world Star Wars game. Furious villagers in Little Marlow, Buckinghamshire, UK have slammed Star Wars bosses 
after a massive set for the Andor series arrived at an abandoned quarry and could stay there for three years. Sam Smith, design manager at Hasbro for Star Wars products, and you're listening to Star Wars Session, quite possibly the greatest Star Wars show in all of Britain. Now, one of our first ever shows we did as the Star Wars Sessions, one of the first Bly puns was uh, one I was always been quite proud of, and it stuck with me for a long time. It was Bly Gone Gin. I've always enjoyed that one. Uh, and every time I see the man on screen, I always think when they say Qui-Gon, I think it just doesn't sound quite right anymore. So Blygon Jin. And so as it were, tonight, that's exactly what we're going to talk about. The man himself, Qui-Gon Jin. We're going to talk about the wisdom of Qui-Gon Jin. We've, we've wanted to talk about Qui-Gon for, for quite a long time now. We've just been trying to find the right time to do it. And in the last week or so, Liam Neeson himself has been dropping a few bombs. So we thought, you know, what better time than the present, didn't we, mate? Exactly, man. Exactly. I mean, you know, Matty Boy, it's the beginning of 2020 and, well, 2021, sorry. You know, I'm losing the plot. It's this lockdown. <laughs> this lockdown's making me go mental. Um, well, it's the beginning of 2021 and we thought, you know, hey, let's go to the beginning of the Skywalker saga and revisit everyone's favourite, or maybe second favourite, maybe even third favourite, green lightsaber wielding Jedi. Um, mm. Yet yeah, Qui-Gon. You know, Qui-Gon has, I think, in the last few years, become a real fan favourite. And that's not to say people didn't adore and love him in 1999 when Phantom Menace came out. But I think they're definitely, as as the appreciation for the prequel trilogy has grown and it's become almost more normal, you know, it's kind of like the sequels are ousted at the moment, right? You know, and I'm talking about like, a minority of fans, really, in the big picture. Um, but I don't know, the prequels just feel a lot more integrated into the whole mythology. And with that, it's like almost a given that Qui-Gon is a legend. You know, he's in the Hall of Fame. You know, he's definitely in it. Just like how old um, T-Rex, you know the band? Like, right? They only got inducted in like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame like last year. And it's like, oh, I I would have thought... years later. Yeah, I would have thought, oh, you know, that's a bit random. I thought it would have been a bit earlier you know it's taking its time but yeah and with mark hamill getting his hollywood star anyway 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 it feels like nowadays you know people talk about qui-gon like oh yeah (sighs) qui-gon legend legend and he's only been in phantom menace and animation yep mad mad really but we're here to dissect him a little bit what is so good about Qui-Gon what's so bad about Qui-Gon you know are we looking at him through rose-tinted glasses are we kind of putting him on a pedestal a little bit you know I don't know I don't know Matt boy what do you think mate um well I always liked Qui-Gon in the Phantom Menace even when I was a nipper because he, he brought a kind of a presence and a gravitas to those films and looking back now as a 30-something watching those films, firstly, I mean, I've thought this for a few years, but Liam Neeson was a wonderful choice of casting because Liam Neeson brings that calm gravitas and presence to his role. And this is what, five years after he was 
like tearing things up in Schindler's List, like should have won an Oscar for his performance. Now he's Qui Gon Jinn, and he's I think he's the best person they could have had if they wanted this uh, quote unquote sage wise, versatile, maverick, rogue Jedi as he's been described. Pick one of those. Um, but no, I agree with you. The the Qui Gon Qui Gonessance has been going on over the last decade or so. And the prequels have been brought into canon a lot more in the last few years because when Disney took over and, I don't know, maybe up until maybe The Last Jedi, there was people were saying, well, Disney are ignoring the prequels, this, that, and the other now. And now, obviously, with The Clone Wars, we're getting The Bad Batch, Ahsoka, Bo-Katan in the Mando, and all the other connections, the prequels suddenly do seem a lot more legitimised. Not that they ever won, but within the wider storytelling, especially under the uh, Lucasfilm Disney banner, and like you say, with that brings a few more eyes and some more forgiving thoughts. And Qui-Gon seems to be one who's benefiting. Uh, Obi-Wan always seems to get a pass because it's Obi-Wan and it's Ewan McGregor. Um, and True. on the flip side, Hayden would obviously get a bad rap. Poor Hayden. Uh, I love Hayden. But Qui-Gon, yeah, he seems, to have been, uh, he seems to have been up and coming now. And we know a few people who really dig Qui-Gon. They really, really like Qui-Gon. And my, uh, my initial thoughts on Qui-Gon is yes. I think he's a very good character, uh, and I think there's a lot of good storytelling around him, and there already has been. But I was also interested to dive into the reason of why we're doing this show is, okay, what makes him good? Does he have any fallacies that you know kind of get overlooked as well? Um, and the clamour. The clamour is there for more Qui-Gon. Like you said, he's in Phantom Menace. He's in some animation. He's in, obviously, Master and Apprentice, the Claudia Gray book, and some comics. I think he's got his own comic uh, in that limited run. But we've got the Kenobi series coming up, mate, in the next couple of years. And there's been talk. Well, we know Hayden's coming back, but there's been talk. You know, wouldn't it be cool if he could commune with Qui-Gon, you know, again? Wouldn't it be great? This is the perfect chance to get Liam Neeson back. And um, in the last week or so, I think it was Collider, they actually asked Liam Neeson this, didn't they, mate? And he gave us quite an interesting answer. Yeah, he basically, um, he was like, yeah, I'm up for it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I'm up. Yeah, sure. I'm up for it. Yeah, yeah yep. I'm up for it. <laughs> I'm up for it. Yeah. Um, Sign me up. Yeah, basically. I, and, and he gives us a little smirk, apparently. A little smirk. Um, so basically, Qui-Gon's coming back on Obi-Wan series. <laughs> basically, basically, take that to the bank. Now, I'm not saying you're going to be able to get the money and, you know, actually, you know, it's going to be legitimate currency. The bank might be like, no, fake, mate. Chuck it in the river. But Moncala flan. It might be. Oh, look, prefer a flan. It might be legitimate. It might be the real deal. One thing I want to say, mate, before jumping into all this filth, is something that really, really bugs me. And it goes beyond Boba and Boba. It goes beyond Han or Han. (laughs) It's when people call him Quigon. Are you having a laugh? even in the films i mate i promise you i promise you there are people that call him quigon and i want that i want to smack their head smack Uh, you're like no his name is quiet people who cheer when the plane lands or something yeah (laughs) quigon people that cheer when the plane lands yeah classic um yeah. Anyway, oh, I wanted quicks. to get that. I wanted to get that out the way, Matty boy. Um, now, thank you. But now, oh, it looks like there's a good chance that Qui Gon could, oh, sorry, Qui Gon could return. 
and reprise his role as um oh and Liam Neeson reprise his role as Qui-Gon in the Obi-Wan series. I'd love to see it. Let let's see. Yeah. Let's see. But as a character, he is so interesting. And for those who, you know, don't really see the hype, maybe by the end of this episode you might think otherwise. Um, but also some people who do see him as the perfect Jedi, well, again, maybe after this episode, you might think otherwise. That's what the sessions is all about, you bunch of sickheads. Um, Matty boy, Anakin, his birth. Mm-hmm. Would you say that Qui-Gon's experience on that was squeaky clean? Was it pitch perfect Jedi? No, I don't, because uh, we know obviously they they land on uh, Qui Gon, Qui Gon Jun, and the gang land on Tatooine to get their Nubian uh, fixed up, and they come across the slave boy. You, you all know the story, but it's when uh, when Qui Gon uses the worst pickup line on Shmeen. It's like hey, your boy has special powers. <laughs> uh, he, he, he's then like he then obviously says uh, he asks her questions, but to me it comes across that Qui Gon still whilst he is. Uh, described as this kind of maverick and he's not like the rest kind of Jedi, the antithesis. Seems to me that when he's talking about the birth of Anakin, he still has a lot of that rigid Jedi code within him. And we've pulled the quote. So have a listen to this and then we'll kind of explain why we think maybe he's not quite as squeaky clean. So here is uh, Qui-Gon himself. He can see things before they happen. That's why he appears to have such quick reflexes. It's a Jedi trait. He deserves better than a slave's life. Had he been born in the Republic, we would have identified him earlier. The Force is unusually strong with him. That much is clear. Who was his father? There was no father. I carried him. I gave birth. I raised him. I can't explain your help. Can you help him? I don't know. Can you help him? I don't know, but I will take him anyway. Um, it's the idea, it's that, it's that quote that had he been born within the confines of the Republic, we would have taken him earlier. And Qui-Gon is known for his compassion uh, and we'll discuss his relationship with, with Anakin shortly, but with that in mind, you know, he still he still would have taken him from his family and uh, taken him from his mother, his only kind of rock in his life. And I just found that, again, it doesn't mean he's a bad person, but it just made me think upon uh, thinking about it that he still he isn't quite the antithesis that of the Jedi that he would still, you know, openly say, well, had he been born closer to us, we would have we'd have seen him earlier and taken him off your hands sooner. Um Right. And, but then he's honest enough to say, I don't know if I can help him. So there's that side of his, I don't know if I can help him, but I'll try. Or I don't know if I'll help him, but he's coming anyway. Well, like you say, it's, it's clear that he's still a goodie and he still has some good intentions. But he's still, you know, very much a Jedi, stuck in the Jedi order of things, you know. And um, it's clear in this, you know, because... It's almost like they're talking about Lilani, Lilani as Lenny? an asset as opposed to a human being, you know, yeah. and, and it really comes across like this, especially in that line, you know, listening back to that, you're like, yeah, it is almost like they're talking about a box of Lego or something. <laughs> um, 
But there we go. And like you said, I think that really is an interesting point, what you brought, Matty Boy, there. Um, and, and, you know, that's not the only thing um, with, with Qui-Gon in, in kind of like this uh, part of the story in Phantom Menace when uh, he's on Tatooine. And there's loads of stuff that happens in Tatooine, lots of cool stuff. And it's clear that Qui-Gon is a very uh, balanced uh, he's very mild tempered and he's he's understanding you know his character kind of it does kind of scream that a lot of the time um but here's another thing and again i got to give credit to matty boy here something that matty boy has picked out that i don't think i've seen anyone on the internet talk about in star wars before and it's actually Whoa. to do with our boy Watto Nubian in it, mate. Yeah. That's it, mate. Um, again, here's here's the clip, and then uh, and then we'll fire away. So Qui Gon and Watto, take it away, lads. If we win, you keep all the winnings minus the cost of the parts of the And if we lose, you keep my ship. Either way, you win. So, Matt, Matty boy, um, why have we included that in the podcast? Well, we, I've, I thought about this one again, doing a bit of Qui-Gon, watching The Phantom Menace again and uh, reading uh, the, the notes about him online, like the Wikipedia to refresh myself, like Master and Apprentice and stuff like that. But here in this one, I was like, do you know what he's doing here? He's, he's just manipulating a weak person, basically. And... and he, I, I guess his apprentice Obi Wan would do that later on with the stormtroopers, but he knows that he, he's 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 told that Watto or these these junk dealers their their weakness is gambling, and Qui Gon he needs something he needs to get off the planet he needs a ship he needs money now he now he wants to take the boy as well, so he just straight up manipulates Watto with his own weakness with what he's actually. Pretty naff deal for Watto, basically, because he's like, in the end, he's like, either way, you win. Um, when you know, really, I'm sure they they both get something out of this, as far as I'm concerned. But, um, but yeah, manipulating another's weakness was what I found in Qui Gon. So, is that a flaw, or is that a particularly bad trait, or is that looking too much into it? Well, it's kind of like a, it's, it's a little bit of a paradox, isn't it? Because it's like. And this is a very much a real world problem. So I don't really want to jump into this too much, but I, I feel like it's a decent enough analogy. And it's like, when is death okay? You know, because people generally agree that death isn't good. Murder's not good. But is it good when you're killing enemy soldiers? Is it good when you're executing a criminal? You know, at what point is death acceptable? Um, and you know, you can apply the same here. Well, the Jedi aren't meant to manipulate anyone. Oh, well, Watto's a bad guy. What? So does that make it okay? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think there's another way to go about it. Um, but then again, you know, Qui-Gon isn't perfect. That's kind of the delivery we're, we're going for at this point of the main discussion. He's not perfect. And actually, this is a little snaky. Isn't it? You know, like just basically 
I don't know, just completely exploiting this person. Um, and, you know, the guy isn't, he, he's looking out for his own tri- interest, isn't it? Watto is. Mm-hmm. But it would suggest, well, if he's done it with Watto, who else has he done it with? You know, it's a slippery slope. Yeah. And that's the point. That's why those those rules or not even rules. It's beyond rules, principles. That's why those principles are there for the Jedi Order or should be there, I should say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and reading the, uh, like the High Republic, again, no spoilers, but the Jedi were, were, were told, instructed, you know, don't, you don't use the Force for personal gain. It's not a tool you play with. It's not something that you can wield willy-nilly for your heart's content. You don't use it for that kind of uh, gain. So with that, obviously, and I know this is 20-odd years after the film was released, but it it all counts. So uh, knowing that, and we, um, um, we knew that anyway. We did our Fall of the Jedi episode because we knew that this is a time when the Jedi had absolutely lost their way and potentially Qui-Gon may have been the last of a dying breed who hadn't quite fully fallen down the dark path, the quote-unquote dark path that the Council had done. But he wasn't um, immune to you know bending the will of the Force for his own gains. And again, we could look at it and be like, well, he needed to do that in order to get off the Tatooine, in order to get the, uh, off of, to get the, the ship working, to get Anakin back and, you know, get the prophecy of the chosen one. But like you said, you know, it's a bit shady, isn't it? The way that he did it. So again, it's nothing that makes you sit there and think, well, this guy might be a double agent. He might be a bad guy, an agent of evil, but it's just, it's just a kind of yin to the yang when he's kind of seen as, the the last good Jedi standing that you know he's not he's not immune to bending the rules is he mate? Precisely, precisely, and um, we see bits and bobs of this throughout the film. And don't get me wrong, he's still a goody, guys, and we're going to get to that. We are going to get to that. But on the kind of snaky discussion, we see it again. We see it again. And this time it is with the Queen. And we're not talking about one of our many uh, female patrons or listeners this time, are we, Matty Boy? Nope. We're talking about the Queen, (laughs) Amidala. Amidala, Padme herself. Uh, Check this out. You sure about this? Trusting our fate to a boy we hardly know? The Queen will not approve. Queen doesn't need to know. Well, I don't approve. Naughty boy gets right down, right down to her level. The queen doesn't need to know. He's stamping. He's putting his foot down. He's like, listen, it's my way or the highway. The queen doesn't need to know. We're doing this my way or the highway. And it's not the only time he does that during this film. With Watto as well, he kind of puts his foot down. And with the council, he's kind of got a back and forward when it comes to training Anakin. He wants to do this, the council do that, and they butt heads. But um, he's a stubborn, he's a stubborn old gent, isn't he, mate? Yeah, and it, it goes to show once again, you know, if something gets in his way, you know, well, she don't need to know. <laughs> yes. oh, okay, <laughs> all right, fair enough. Uh, that's like something out of a film, you know, like the dad who's being naughty or something or doing something he, he knows he's not meant to and... He's telling his son, like, don't tell your mother. <laughs> it reminds me of when uh, I'd go to trips with my dad to, like, the uh, tip or something or shopping at Sainsbury's. And uh, he'd get us each, like, a pucker pie or something. 
like a uh, beef and onion pie. And he'd be like, yeah. don't tell your mother. <laughs> and then we'd get home. <laughs> Mum's only done like a lovely big dinner for us. And we've just got, <laughs> and you've got, got these pucker pies in your gut. Yeah. And it's like, that's not explicitly horrible, but it is, it's not great either. You know, it is cheeky. And especially like, could you imagine someone like someone in a high position, a high rank in the British institution saying that, oh, don't tell uh, Elizabeth. She don't need to know. Don't tell her Madge about this. Yeah, she doesn't need to know about this. Oh, but, you know, we're kind of, um, I don't know, we're applying for the Olympics again. We're going to do another Olympic bid. Yeah, uh, she don't need to know about that. Yeah, she don't need to know about that. She don't need to know for now. Don't need to know. It's like, no, you would, that's not how you do it, is it? You know, uh, so yeah, once again, it's it's another like imperfection in the character. But again, Qui-Gon isn't flawless. And I don't think he's, meant to be flawless mm-hmm. i don't know no well a lot of people probably listen to this and say that's why he is the antithesis to the council because he has these kind of traits but um when he's held up as you know something different he still does have a lot of the traits of the council but stubbornness especially right and the council again it's their way or the highway and he's no different to those jedi who we perceive as kind of who are lost if you will they've gone they're too far gone by the time of the era of the phantom menace and uh, so yeah nothing nothing particularly bad not, like we said broken record he's not a bad dude but he certainly isn't the he's isn't quite the beacon of light that he's held up to be he's a bit of a naughty boy which is fine because it's liam neeson in the wig playing it and that's one of my favorite stories of behind the scenes is when uh george lucas was saying that during the filming of the phantom menace like liam neeson's wig just flew off in in the tatooine in tunisia so somewhere in the tunisian desert is Qui-Gon Jinn's wig, his hair pieces is out there somewhere. Uh, it's Ahmed Best told us that, in fact, sorry. Shout out to our boy, Ahmed, who shared some good scenes with um, with Qui-Gon and Liam, and especially the one where he grabbed his tongue and he almost looked like if he's like, you do that again, I'm going to lop your head off with this saber, son. So even then he looked like he was going to take off Jar Jar's head. So um, yeah, that was good. Nothing overly negative, but we thought, look, like, Powerful light, powerful dark. Let's balance it out here because we could have easily gone on a rant and said, look, this guy is so cool. So cool. (laughs) We wanted to shake it up a bit, didn't we, man? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And in fact, I think what this kind of shows us is that Qui-Gon as a character has a very human side because in the heat of the moment, it's very easy to forget you know, who you are, especially if you don't practice those principles a lot. And if the council isn't encouraging that, if your own order isn't encouraging that, then yeah, you know, it would be quite easy to drift away from that. Um, But, you know, Qui-Gon certainly is quite human, quite normal. Um, And in fact, there's actually quite a tender little moment in Phantom Menace that again, I don't think a lot of people will realise um and uh, matty boy let's play this clip and let's talk about it after you're a jedi knight aren't you what makes you think that i saw your laser sword only jedis carry that kind of weapon perhaps i killed a jedi and took it from him i don't think so no one can kill a jedi i wish that was so i wish that was so 
I wish that he was sits so. Back, doesn't he sits back in his chair and he's like, you know, he he, he ref- he's reflecting on mortality. There. He's like, you know, I, I genuinely wish that. So I can't imagine Mace Windu sitting back saying that. He'd probably be like, yeah, this, the party's never over with me. <laughs> um, but it's a great, it's a great line. That's when you need a decent actor like Liam Neeson to to sell uh, to sell some of the dialogue he's given. But a moment like that where. He could have easily just sat forward and sort of grinned and be like, "Well, yeah, I've only that was so, son." I sort of rubbed it, ruffled his hair, but he gave it kind of a, like you say, a tenderness, didn't he? Very much so, very much so. And it was just like that that realization, or not even realization, just a reminder of how delicate life is. And again, Phantom Menace has so many moments like this. And, and and this is one of my favorite ones. And it's just because the way the film is kind of just displayed, I guess, and the way we watch it too, you kind of forget about these moments of just real ah oh, hard hitting truths, you know, you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. It's uh, I know how he feels. You know, and, and I'm sure so many people that watch these films or listen to our podcasts, they, they relate to that, you know, that kind of like, yeah, wish that was true, you know, wish that was true. Yeah, and, and Qui-Gon, we're talking about the wisdom of Qui-Gon and, you know, that's something he, it's, he's wise, but he's also, he is pragmatic as well. He's not dark. He, he knows, he knows, like I say, the mortality of life and like you say, the delicate nature of things he isn't he doesn't look to the future that's not where his focus is as we'll, as we'll see he's thinking about now and he knows that at any given moment it could all come to an end you know that his his own adventure and his his journey within the force could could end at any moment and that that kind of sitting back and like you say it wasn't wasn't like a a realization or like a light bulb moment it was more a case of you know like yeah i've i've thought about this many times and you know it's it's just something that we have to bear that you know for everything all the good we do you know, we are we aren't invincible. We're not immortal. You know, our time will come, whether by the blade or by the by the ages of time or whatever it is they say in Lord of the Rings, it will happen. And you know, the the sort of emotion that Liam Neeson imbues in that scene really sells it as well. And and I think and Jake Lord is let's not fire Jake Lord's good in that little moment as well. And the music as well, the music and Liam Neeson. That I honestly forgot how stunning that piece of music is in that particular moment unreal music and it all comes together but it is that moment with with Qui-Gon when he just sort of sits back and he realizes obviously it's foreshadowing as well but it's it's just a nice moment which sometimes gets overlooked in the Phantom Menace yeah absolutely mate absolutely absolutely and um there's you've mentioned wisdom you know and um Qui-Gon really he he comes out with so many little wisecracks uh, little little nods, little winks to the audience, and you're like, ah, he's quite dry, this this Jedi. Um, but I don't know. There's there's a nice little moment that again you chose, Matty boy. You you care to explain, or do you want to play it first? Uh, let's uh, let's drop that beat, and um, and then we'll jump in afterwards, mate. So this is from the Phantom Menace, obviously right up top. <laughs> I have a bad feeling about this. I don't sense anything. It's not about the mission, Master. It's something elsewhere. Elusive. Don't center on your anxieties, Obi-Wan. Keep your concentration here and now where it belongs. But Master Yoda said I should be mindful of the future. But not at the expense of the moment. Be mindful of the living force, young Padawan. Yes, Master. 
How do you think this trade viceroy will deal with the Chancellor's demands? These Federation types are cowards. The negotiations will be short. There you go, mate. Um, well, I, I picked that, that, those particular moments, because it's the wisdom of it. Young Qui-Gon, he's like, uh, he's, again, he's almost a bit like uh, Luke. He's looking forward. He's looking into the future, whereas Qui-Gon is, he almost sounds like, oh, not, not this again. And he's like, no, keep your focus right here where it belongs, in the moment. But Master Yoda says, don't worry about that. You need to be focusing on the here and now of things. And I found that to be, uh, again, one of the first lines in the whole prequel trilogy. I found it to be one of the best of that entire film, that little exchange where Qui-Gon showing right there and then that he's, you know, he's first, he's the boss in this situation, but he's, he's been there and done it enough times to the point where he's almost like exasperated at having to say, you know, keep your focus on the here and now, because what, because, you know, like, like in the last quote, you know, they're not invincible. If this all goes to pop, there is, then, then what happens later on in the future is out of their hands. Everything's out of their hands. It's all about what happens now. And at the end as well, when he's talking about the, the uh, trade federation types, Again, he's uh, when he says, you know, the negotiations will be short. He's very sure of himself as well. He's very, very confident and sure of himself, which bleeds into some of the negative, if you will, connotations we linked to him. But he's a wise man and he's very sure within himself. And that's what I got from this little exchange. Yeah, absolutely, man. And it's so important, even in everyday life, you know, don't let your long term goals prevent you from doing what you can do now. You know, and and that's so, so true, you know, because you need to do well now to be able to 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 really do those long term goals, to serve those long term goals. And um, that goes for everything, you know, business, you know, um, even entertainment, recreation, <laughs> everything, <laughs> playing, playing Minecraft, <laughs> you know, be in the moment, <laughs> you know, go find coal first. And then you can build your skyscraper, you know, and um, that anyway, we, we kind of we kind of get the point. But it's it's a good one. And Star Wars is full of these fantastic lines and uh, these little wise. Yes, um, words to live by, should have said, sorry, I was stumbling over my words. There's so much Qui-Gon goodness. Um, but no, there's also another little uh, wise mantra that. Oh, uh, Gonjin has, and um, it's actually one of my favourites. And I think this one is actually one of the more memorable ones from the Phantom Menace. Matty boy, let's let's listen to our uh, next clip, mate. Always remember, your focus determines your reality. Yeah, classic. Straight to the point. So true. So good. (laughs) True. It's a bit like jibber jab over here, short and sweet. But it's true though. It's true. Your focus determines your reality. Where where you are determines what will happen. Where you're going to go. As he said at the beginning, you know, you not you don't dwell on anything else. Certainly not at the expense of the moment, because that will then determine your path going forward and the direction you take. Um, And we've seen other Jedi. Uh, constantly looking looking to the horizon when they needed to be in the here and now. But it looks like Master Yoda learned a few things from Qui-Gon. And yeah, like you say, that's, that's kind of like his mantra. With When I think Qui-Gon, it's that quote, other than the whole midichlorian thing, when he's like, your focus determines your reality. And I've seen a few people say that, hmm, it was a bit, bit clunky, but I actually like that line. I think it's, um, 
I think it's a well-written line. And again, it's well delivered by Liam Neeson. And it just shows the level of maturity that quite gone has. Like I say, to me, he's, he's been there. He's done it. He's cocksure of himself. Mm-hmm. And he, be- he, he believes in this. He believes of living in the moment. What will be will be, but that won't happen until, you know, what happens now has passed. And, you know, I just thought it was a, I just thought that kind of like summed up Qui-Gon for me. And that's not to say that he's still, you know, the, the perfect Jedi, because, you know, this is like you say, you mentioned the midichlorians. This is the guy that still believes, you know, the midichlorian count is the only way to measure how good of a Jedi you will be. Maybe. You know, maybe he's even doing it and he's not sure of himself, but, you know, that's kind of, he's still doing it, right? He's still practicing that. And, um, yeah, it goes to show, you know, we've done whole episodes about that in, you know, Failure of the Jedi, one of my favorite episodes we, we did last year. Um, it really highlights that the Jedi were quite blinded by a lot of their own mistakes. Uh, and Jedi, uh, Qui-Gon could see the imperfections in the Jedi. And that's why he didn't join the council. But what I love about Qui-Gon is that he didn't just leave it like Dooku. Dooku Dooku left the Jedi order, but Qui-Gon could see the mistakes and he could see that some things weren't perfect, but all in all, the Jedi was still the light side. They were still the guys who were right. Do you know what I mean? Like people, some people describe Qui-Gon as this like rogue. Well, no, he wasn't. He wasn't. He was loyal to the Jedi Order. He stayed there. He slept there, I guess. I guess he had a crib at the Jedi Temple. <laughs> you know, yeah. Qui-Gon's Palace. You know, it yeah. was, you know, it was a cool place to hang out. But, but you see where I'm coming from, mate, boy. You know, he, of course, yeah. he, he wasn't a rebel. Yeah, he, he just wasn't sure on a few things. He just wanted to meditate on them, study it a bit more. And the fact that he didn't do a Dooku and just go do his own thing, because what that showed us was that actually if you if he were to do that he was probably a lot more susceptible to becoming indoctrinated by the dark side manipulated and exploited by the dark side which is exactly what happened to dooku right yeah big boy dooku obviously qui-gon's former master himself and a lot of people say that you know uh, that qui-gon would have probably joined him and led to separatists i mean that's no, because like, for every reason you've just said, you know, he may, Qui-Gon may have had slightly different thoughts and feelings and ways of doing things in the Jedi, but he was still very much aligned to the, to the light. He was a pure Jedi through and through. He wouldn't have, I can't imagine him ever succeeding to the Separatists and fighting the Republic and like fighting the Jedi, because that's what would have happened. Because, because people say, well, Count Dooku may have, you know, he, he was, he had his head screwed on. The Separatists had, they weren't bad particularly because of what they they just wanted they didn't they wanted to be able to govern themselves and these planets blah blah okay yeah not bad but then you know getting involved in a galactic scale war and massacring billions kind of puts you on the bad side of history which dooku was you know he may have been rocking that beard in his pajamas but he was still a murderer qui-gon jinn wasn't that qui-gon wasn't that and uh qui-gon still seemed to me the kind of guy who would be you know talk first manipulate first a lightsaber second third or fourth which is the Jedi way. Um, so I can't see, I, I can see kind of like how Qui-Gon and Count Dooku are similar in terms of their way of thinking, uh, not uh, against the the staunch values of the Jedi. Now they kind of bended, bent the rules 
uh, a little bit to suit their needs. And of course, Duku, one of the last 20, bent them so much that he decided to just leave. But I can't see Qui-Gon following the path of his master. He was he was the good Duku, if that makes any sense. Whereas, back, whereas Count Duku was, you know, how we know him. You know, uh, to me, Qui-Gon is the antithesis of Duku. They shared manner is similar mannerisms and ideals, I'm sure, in terms of how the Force should work and that. But Qui-Gon wouldn't have gone down that path. Can you can you imagine a scenario where Jin would have joined up with the Separatists to fight the Republic? No, it wouldn't have happened, mate. It wouldn't have happened because, you know, the whole point of this, and it's easy to lose track of it, the whole point of this is Qui-Gon is the only one who can see that Anakin is the chosen one. He is the only one who can see that actually this kid is the key to restoring the Jedi Order. He's not sure how. He doesn't he doesn't know that. He he doesn't even necessarily need to know that. He just knows. Anakin is the chosen one. And what's crazy is without Qui-Gon, you know, there really isn't a Skywalker saga. There really isn't. Yeah. There is no Anakin without Qui-Gon. There's no Luke. There's no Obi-Wan. You know, Qui-Gon really is the start of this story. He is that pivotal role. He is the first domino that falls on the light side to trigger, you know, what effectively ends with Ray and a new Jedi order, you know, all the way through. And, um, you know, we mentioned earlier, Matty boy about, you know, the, the really human side of Qui-Gon and that mortality, that human side, you know, just fearing, you know, I wish we were invincible, you know, the Jedi and, the irony with that, of course, is by Revenge of the Sith, we learn that, you know, Jedi, that, that Qui-Gon has learned to, to, to communicate with the Jedi. He has gone to the beyond. You know, he has become a force ghost, which obviously plays in hugely into the, to, into the original trilogy. Qui-Gon's the first one to do that, you know, in that era, in that era of Jedi. And what's lovely is by Rise of Skywalker, it's only the really good Jedi that are starting to get that ability, you know, that really can commune and, you know, because Yoda, Obi-Wan, they could all do it in the original trilogy. I just think it's nice and it's it really is, a it, it goes to show how much of a legend Qui-Gon is in universe. And I know we, we throw around that road, that word all the time on this podcast, but he really is in, in the Star Wars universe. You know, he is a legend without Qui-Gon. There isn't a story. We have Qui-Gon found Anakin. He said something within the boys. He sent off the midichlorians. He, he fought to get him on the council. He gave up his apprentice, Obi-Wan. And again, the master and apprentice book goes into that so well. Uh, their relationship and I think that's a must read for fans of those two because it's so so very good and integral to their relationship but um, and then like you say when Qui-Gon passes he he then takes Yoda as his apprentice literally and he teaches him the ways of the force which then like you say sets everything up by the time he gets to the rise of Skywalker and we're hearing all these force ghosts uh, disembodied force voices Mm. speaking to Ray of course Liam Neeson reprised his role for that there's Mace is there, uh, Anakin's there, uh, Adi Galli is there, Isla Secure. I mean, everybody's there, all because of you know the doors that Qui Gon Jinn opened, and it was his his ability 
And we mentioned his maturity as well. He was a he was a man who you could imagine, I could imagine, would meditate for hours. Just think of the classic jewel of the fates moment where the um, those door things, uh, laser doors shut between him and Maul, and Maul's pacing up and down, thinking, you know, I want to get this fight back on. Qui Gon drops down. He's meditating, eyes closed. He's 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 allowing the force to flow through him, and that to me is also like quintessential Qui Gon. Yes. He is this meditator, and there's a quote from Liam Neeson, which I thought was extremely, extremely prevalent to what we're saying, and actually um, kind of plays into a lot of what we say. But on on the character of Qui Gon, Liam Neeson himself said he's almost like a monk, an old time warrior who was wise and quite philosophical, yet very skilled in martial arts. He has incredible confidence as well as a magical quality that enables him to see into the future. He's not really a rebel, but he has his own code. And I think pretty much what we've just said, I've just found that quote um, on Wikipedia and pretty much that quote sums up pretty much what we've just said almost that he has that confidence. And like you said, he's not, he's not a rebel. He's not some sort of rebel gray Jedi, which I don't think he is a gray Jedi whatsoever. He's still very much uh, a Jedi that we know and love because, and playing the character Liam Neeson said, you know, he's got his own code, which is what we just mentioned. He has his own way of doing things. He's philosophical. He's almost like a monk, but he's not a rebel. He's still a Jedi, isn't he? And the Phantom Menace is such a great job of of showing us the many sides of Qui Gon. That wise uh, angle, the philosophical angle, the monk like angle with the uh, with the meditation as he's about to fight a Sith, a Sith Lord, um, and kind of like I said, those cheeky little cheeky little uh, jokes he chucked in. Uh, he had a bit of everything, Qui Gon, and I could see why people would put them put him at the top of their list as. Like favorite characters, especially doing the research for this show and rewatching it again, and just watching the little Qui Gonisms, the Jinisms. But I just thought that Liam Neeson quote, mate, was was pretty uh, pretty spot on. And I think you know it was a great shout bringing that up, mate, because you're spot on. At the end of the day, Qui Gon isn't perfect, but he's a goodie, and he understands the bigger picture. You know, he's patient. You know, he's not brash. He's 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 really what a lot of Jedi should have been. And um, you know, it, the the fact that this this saga started with this old guy, apparently from Ireland. Ah, you know, <laughs> via Coruscant, via Coruscant. You know, so good, man. I I love it. You know, as a kid. Playing around, you know, pretending with my friends who's going to be Darth Maul, Obi Wan, and Qui Gon. You know, now I look back and I'm like, man, I would have, I would have taken Qui Gon every day because, and I love Obi Wan, I love all of them. I would have been at any of them, but Qui Gon, you know, it really is a privilege to pretend to be Qui Gon when twirling around a stick. And I mean, he, there's only one person in the galaxy who can rival Qui Gon's Barnet. It's Luke Bly, and we all know that. You know, Luke Bly's hair is, is actually a lot better than Qui-Gon's, but I, it, it brings that gravitas and presence that Qui-Gon did. But um, I think for me, mate, that kind of sums up my thoughts on Qui-Gon. I'm a big fan of him. He isn't the reg- the rebel and the rogue. I don't think um, that he's portrayed to be. But as Liam Neeson says, he has his own code, but he's still very much you know, part of the Jedi Order that we know. Mm-hmm. 
In Phantom Menace, you're watching these two Jedi in their prime fight this evil villain. Maul couldn't be more obviously the villain. He's designed to look evil, and he is evil, and he just expresses that from his face all the way out through the type of lights every fights with. What's at stake is really how Anakin's going to turn out, because Qui-Gon is different than the rest of the Jedi, and you get that in the movie, and Qui-Gon is fighting because he knows he's the father that Anakin needs, because Qui-Gon hasn't given up on the fact that Jedi are supposed to actually care and, and love, and that that's not a bad thing. The rest of the Jedi are so detached and they've become so political that they've really lost their way. Mm. And Yoda starts to see that in the second film. But Qui-Gon is ahead of them all. And that's why he's not part of the council. So he's fighting for Anakin. And that's why it's the duel of the fates. It's the fate of this child. And depending on how this fight goes, Anakin is gonna, his life is gonna be dramatically different. So Qui-Gon loses, of course. And he's left with Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan trains Anakin at first out of a promise he makes to Qui-Gon, not because he cares about him. When they get Anakin, when they find him on Tatooine, he says, why do I feel like we've found another useless life form? He's comparing Anakin to Jar Jar. Scared me. And he's saying, this is a waste of our time. Why are we doing this? Why do you see importance in these creatures like Jar Jar Binks and this 10-year-old boy? This is useless. So he's a brother to Anakin eventually, but he's not a father figure. Mm. That's, that's a failing for Anakin. He doesn't have the, the family that he needs. He loses his mother in the next film. He fails on this promise that he made to mother, I will come back and save you. So he's left completely vulnerable. And Star Wars ultimately is about family. So that moment in that movie, which a lot of people I think diminish into just all oh, just a cool lightsaber fight, but it's, it's everything that the entire three films of the prequels hangs on is that one particular fight. And Maul serves his purpose, and at that point died before George made bring him back, but he died. And that's showing you again how the Emperor is completely self-serving. He doesn't care, he's just a tool that he's using people. And now he's gonna use this child. That follows all the way through to the line which terrified me as a kid when the Emperor tells Luke, you like your father are now mine. It's, it's too late, it's... No. Promise me you will train the boy. Yes, Master. He is the chosen one. He will bring balance. Train him. This is Vanessa Marshall, the voice of Harrison Dula from Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Star Wars Sessions, probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. Great discussion, parched once again, but the Essex Falcon has pulled up outside our favourite dusty drinking holder band, Tina Flywalker, shall we? Oh, let's do it. Yes, well, for those new to the show, what we do in the Bantina is we sit down each and every week with you guys, the greatest listeners in the galaxy, and we have a couple of Kef beers, and I'm sure there's a Qui-Gon drinks pun in there somewhere, whilst uh, getting your thoughts on our main discussion, which of course was the man himself. Of course. Now, now we got some... uh... We got some spicy opinions in this Bantinobin here tonight. And to uh, start us off is our boy, watch along buddy, 
Alex Jessup, who said, Qui-Gon is one of the most interesting Jedi. He had a defiant yet respectful way, and he could have been a good influence on the Council had he lived. Could he have been able to save Anakin from turning to the dark side interesting question there alex uh twin sons collecting said the attack of the clones plotline about sifo Dias ordering the clones should have been about qui-gon instead the audience knows who qui-gon is and the 10-year time gap lines up the sifo Dias thing was silly twin sons don't get me started on the sifo Dias thing man uh anyway good call though good call uh tim colwell from Australia, sent us this message. Let's listen to our boy, Tim. G'day, Luke and Matt. Um, in my opinion, Qui-Gon was one of the most influential and defined Jedi. He didn't care about the Jedi Order and followed the will of the Force, and only the will of the Force. Personally, I think if Qui-Gon had trained Anakin, he'd have prevented his turn to the dark side, and enabled Anakin to use his feelings as a strength, not as a weakness, as Palpatine did. Qui-Gon is one of my favourite characters in the Star Wars universe. Even though he didn't defeat Maul, he managed to redeem himself by becoming one with the Force and learning how to manifest as a Force ghost, eventually passing on his knowledge to Yoda, who then passed it on to Obi-Wan and so forth. Qui-Gon accepted the return of the Sith, even though the Jedi Order were adamant that the return of the Sith was impossible which shows his strong judgment. He's not held back by rules, respects the present moment, and appreciates that all life has a value. What a ledge. Thank you for sending that in, Tim. All the way from Diananda. Nice one, you naughty man, Tim. And just quickly on that, mate, he is the the only one. The council were like, we would have known if the Sith had come back. And Qui-Gon's like, it's right there, you mugs. It's right there. True, so, uh, true. Good call. Nice, cool. nice one for bringing that one up again as well. Tim, uh, Ray Solana said, My favourite Jedi! Be mindful of the living force, my young Padawan, is a line that is more important to the story than it seems when we first heard it. And Liam Neeson is a terrific actor. He is. Ray looks like Qui-Gon at the end of The Last Jedi. I always thought it was intentional. Winking face. Uh, that's a good show, actually. He has got a Qui-Gon bob on there. Um, Johnny Orr, my friend from Life Debt Podcast, said... He's only the best Jedi in the whole series. He's the embodiment of how the Jedi should have been. Seeing how he contrasts with the Council just shows how much the Jedi have changed and lost their focus. Uh, and we also received a, another voice message, this time in the form of Melissa Seed. Seed. Is it too crazy to say that Qui-Gon Jinn's probably the best father figure out of all the Jedis we get thrown at us left and right? I mean, obviously, Mandalorian aside, Qui-Gon Jinn and him are probably winning some Father of the Year awards somewhere. But he does kind of have like a conspiracy theorist streak in him. You know, Jedi prophecies, the second I meet a kid on a desert planet, I'm going to take his blood and just double check. Sure, maybe he was right, but maybe a little crazy. Now that's a take I can get behind. Crazy old man takes kids' blood. Um... Yeah, that's a very. It's a great point, and again, the father figure angle is massive. He, yes, he took Anakin away from his mother, but Qui Gon was the only father figure Anakin ever had. Uh, you were my brother, Anakin. Obi Wan says he didn't say you. You know, I was your father. No, brother. 
Qui-Gon was the governor that Anakin never had. And had he not fallen to Darth Maul, then who knows how the saga would have gone. So thank you so much for that, Melissa. Great, great messages and thoughts there, especially from you, Melissa. Thank you so much. Uh, up next, we've got Mando Meyer, 2020, Telly, 77, and Ant Goodman are all hoping for a Qui-Gon cameo in the Kenobi series. Hell yeah! Uh, Vikesh adding Qui-Gon, but not forgotten. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Buzzing for his comeback. Vikesh, you're an absolute legend. And last but not least, I love this when I saw it. Probably the best comment we've ever had on Instagram from our boy, Sammy Cudmore, who dropped, give me the gin and tonic. Mate. (laughs) Have a drink. Have a drink. Execution. Flaming it. That's it. All over that. Sammy, you absolute natter. We love it. What great comments for this week's spicy topic. For extra content, go to patreon.com forward slash Star Wars Sessions. You know it's going to be so good. Best podcast. Best podcast. Podcast. Uh, Close your eyes and bop along to it. Oh, mate, we we love it. I actually um, I uh, listen to that on repeat when I go to bed. Yep, same here, mate. Same here, mate. It's like ASMR, isn't it? Something along those lines. Yeah, all all, like that's all I need in my ear roll every every night is so good. The only way to get Olivia to sleep is just to play that. So good. It's on a loop, never ends. She's like, Daddy, Dan Sexton, please. And you're like, Again, Olivia, yes, please. All right. It's the best podcast. I was school today. So good. (laughs) Nice. Good. Excellent. Nice one, Danny Boy. Good girl, good girl. Right, okay, so we're in the uh, the spiciest part of the Bantina where our patrons get to ask us any question. And to start us off, it is none other than Paul Mulholland who's asking this. Matty Boy, it's a good one. Is The Mandalorian's use of different directors and styles being used as a test board for future projects and giving directors a chance to see how they would have handled Star Wars or how they would handle star wars great question matty boy what are you saying yes it is yeah i think it i think it is mate because they the mando has utilized a few directors like a, a decent chunk but i don't think they've, they have not a massive amount um a hand a decent amount of directors which kind of looks like a talent pool to me bryce dallas howard killing it so you've got deborah chow here have kenobi robert rodriguez great episode here's the book of boba fett take that on board um, I think they are. Rick Famuyiwa has come back from season one into season two as well. So I think it is. Whether it's a film or not, it, you know, it doesn't matter. Any of these directors now could easily get a Star Wars project going forward, I think. And I, if, if anyone comes back into season three, so if we get Rick Famuyiwa again, if we get Bryce coming back, for example, in season three, then to me, then they, you know, they're, they're getting, they'll be, they'll get something along the lines because we know the problems Lucasfilm has had with hiring and firing of directors. What better way to give them that kind of landing point and also a chance for, let's not lie, that the top brass to sort of look how these people work, how they implement their ideas. Does it vibe with what we want? 
Yep. Well, in that case, we know that this is a better fit than just plucking somebody out of nowhere. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I think it could be. I'm not going to. Well, the well, I can't. As much as I sing about it, I can't definitively say 100 percent yes. But I am going to go the old lime scale remover. 99.9 percent sure that this is that's what's going on. What about you, though, mate? Uh, yeah, I would. I would second that, mate. I would second that, and I would say. I would say, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely some sort of trial, um, or really, I'm going to rephrase it and say they're going back to how it kind of should have been, original trilogy, um, all written by George Lucas for the most part. Um, George directed the first one, then he got different directors in for you know um, five and six. So to me, it's like yeah, have one writer. And different directors doing their thing and also bringing their own thing to the table. You know, maybe they want to tweak the script a little bit. That, to me, makes a lot of sense. And guys, you know, Taika Waititi involved in the first series of Mandalorian. Lo and behold, he's got a Star Wars film. Paul, I think you're onto something here, mate. I definitely think whatever we see in the Mandalorian, we're going to see more of in the greater Star Wars lore. Not just films shows to the mandalorian has set the bar yep it's also given disney plus a lot of subscribers uh so paul thank you so much for that um again we open a door for everyone out there who's listening what do you think about this question and the uh ones we've got coming up we'd love to hear your thoughts are they using mando as a jumping off point for directors for future projects let us know uh the next up we've got a guy who i know very well sean hudson nice chap his question he reads vader time do you think his return to the light actually began or at least had the seeds sown in the final scenes of Clone Wars? The end of that series was perfect Star Wars and to have zero speech for most of the end of it, just music was perfect. P.S. Can we have a limited run return of random can- canon characters, please? It was great hearing that Vader killed pretty much everyone. Keep it as spicy as a file. Uh, so Luke, Vader time, what were we thinking? That final moment. Mate. I love our patrons because some of the questions I come out with just really gets you thinking. I think at the time it was more obvious, but now, you know, we're nearly a year away from the anniversary of Clone Wars. Maybe I'm being a bit hopeful, but I'm hoping uh, this uh, year speeds up a little bit. But um, (laughs) (laughs) but honestly, yes, I do. I think it's Vader taking a moment to look back at his past and he obviously blocks it but you know maybe it's just another thing and it's another thing and it's another thing another reminder until finally luke shows him that love and compassion and uh he does the right thing it all builds up to that moment in return of the jedi at the end of the day um but yeah absolutely i think the ahsoka thing is a great shout uh random canon characters i mean watch this space Watch this space, Shawnee. I'm not. I'm not going to guarantee anything, um, because Vader did kill my, pretty much everyone. So <laughs> we'll, we'll look into it. We'll look into it. What about you, mate, boy? <laughs> um, I, th- I think the answer to that is probably yes. I think that, I think that's what Filoni was implying. Do I like it? Not really, because I am. Look, you know me. I love Star Wars. I love the positive side of it. Certain things about, and I follow all the canons, certain bits do work for me. One of them being well, Palpatine, but the other one is potentially this. I it, it works on such a better level that Vader is just evil until 
until his son comes into the picture. Nobody else. <laughs> it's just just his son. You know what I mean? And I don't like the idea of it being set like years earlier that actually he was having second thoughts and we and you know the comics are actually kind of going into that a bit more that he had his own agenda going on which is fine uh, which then leads into what you've just said that it all built up to you know Luke being the one to really get it out of him um, I just like I, I from a simplistic stand I loved it when it was just Padme saying there's still good in him and it was Luke was the only one who could get out of him the only person who could get the good from Luke was, you know, the son, his son, uh, his and Padme's son. But, you know, that's just me. Does it ruin anything? No, but it's a little niggle, which I think, oh, I don't want it to start with that moment. But, uh, you know, we're not flown. He's like, I think it probably does. But, uh, again, we'd love to hear you, what you guys think. Am I being am I being daft there? Or is Luke being as uh, powerful as ever with the right answers? So, uh, nice question, Shawnee boy. It's a nice little perspective, mate. It's a nice little perspective. Uh, Now, our last Patreon question is from our boy. We've already heard from him this show, but, you know, who doesn't want another slice of Sammy Cudmore, a.k.a. Cuddy Bricks? Who asked this, mate? He asked this. Building from my season one question about Grogu moments, what is your favorite Grogu moment in season two of The Mandalorian? I loved when Grogu was chatting up a storm with Ahsoka in chapter 13. And when he goes running to the Dadalorian after that little alien holds him hostage for Din's jetpack in chapter 10. Those are both great shouts. What are you saying there, Matty boy? Uh, it's a good one, um, Sammy Studmore. Uh, I would say, obviously, other than the one where he's waving his hands in the air when when Mando's taking him for a ride, uh, the scene where he's where Mando's trying to get him to rewire the the Razor Crest, R.I.P. I thought that was quite cool. And he's like, "Don't touch them together," and he just <laughs> electrocutes himself. Um, and this is going to be a bit naughty, but one of the other ones I like was in the uh, first Peyton Reed one with the spiders when. Baby Yoda, he was a naughty boy in episode. In the recap, we said he was he was a cheeky boy. He wasn't doing as his dad told him, uh, which I know that very, feeling very well. He's, you know, eat, stop eating the eggs. All right, if I can't eat the eggs, I'll eat these spider's eggs. And the fact that he wanted, just the way he he wanders up with that beautiful music in the snow, just so he can go and have a nibble Aww. of a spider egg. And of course, by doing it, I mean, I don't like spiders. but uh, And of course, that then sets off the chain of events within it. But just a way that he couldn't have the eggs, so he just went, looking for something else to eat and ended up almost getting everybody killed. But it was the music, his little legs and his little waddle and all he wanted was some food, mate. And season two was was basically the rise of Grogu's hunger for me. So they were my moments. But what about you, mate? I love it. I love it. This is a cracking question, Sammy, mate. Um, right, okay. So this is this is a really small little moment. But for me, um, it's when Mando is actually flying with Grogu in the air and you see Grogu's ears just flapping about in the wind. <laughs> yeah. And he makes a little noise and it's like, man, like, the, and, and also Grogu has a smile on his face while that's happening. It's Aww. like, imagine I said this on our watch along. Imagine explaining that to someone who's never has zero idea of star Wars, never seen it before. No concept of it. No context even. And, uh, you're like, yeah, dude flying with a jetpack with armor and a little green alien kid just smiling and laughing with his ears flapping. It's like, it doesn't make any sense, but it works so well. So well. 
there are so many of these little human relatable moments in this show you know that kind of father son relationship um there's so many to choose from but that is it's a small one that is one of my favorites to be honest sammy you've already said probably my my honest favorite the 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 moment with ahsoka it's very sweet you hear all the noises and it's the name calling you know the the chapter after that i think it is in uh chapter uh 14 um i could be wrong though uh you know mando's just saying grogu Grogu, and you know he's replying, and he's chuckling. Mando's like giggling to himself because he's like, "Man, can't believe this kid has a name." You know, (laughs) they've got to bring him back. They've got. I mean, the the dad. They've got to bring him back. That moment you mentioned when he's like, "Looks like we're flying with the windows down." Come on, (laughs) that moment where he's flying with his kid, and the the kids having. He's having a great. He's like like actual kids, like the joy of seeing a kid having fun. He's heartwarming. They've got to bring the little dude back soon. Can you believe, Matt, how good season two was? At just no. how good The Mandalorian is. Honestly, mate, it's, it, is, it really has surpassed expectations for me because we always said it, but we were never sure what we were going to get. Would it be any good? Could they pull off this format? But, yep, John, Dave, Kathleen, everybody there. What a job. And everybody involved with the actual acting side of it. And our boy, Baby, as well. Honestly, mate, and just, just talking about these little moments that Sammy's brought up is... It's, it's quality, so everybody, give us all the Grogu moments you can give. Send us gifts, everything. Send us all the Grogu moments you can. But um, Thank you, everybody, for those questions. We'd love to hear your answers. We'll have another lot next week, won't we, Lukey boy? Oh, yeah. So uh, that is that. The Bantina is wrapping up, bartender. Sorry about the mess. We'll be back again next week to share another couple of Kef beers with you all in the Bantina. Star Wars Sessions game! It is the Star Wars Sessions game! And this week is my turn to host the end of game Sessions game that everyone is game for. Matty Boy, are you game for the Star Wars Sessions game? I'm game for the game. Mate, do you want to know what we are playing this week in the galaxy? With a small sense of fear and trepidation, yes. Okay, mate. It's a simple one. I'm pretty sure we've we've played it before. It's one of uh, everyone's favourite games. It's 20 questions. You've got to figure out who I am, Matty boy. You've got to figure out who I am. Bidlow Yeah, You're not. This time, you are not a skull. You are not remains. You are not remains. Um, You can ask me any question, any question, um, and I'm going to say yes or no. Matt, play the music. Let's go. Okay, here we go. 20 questions. Um, are Are you an actual character in the Star Wars universe? Yes. Okay, yes, right. Um... Are you in the films? Yes. Is that where you're best known? Yes. So doing well. That's three questions. I'm actually keeping a tally here, so I don't go too over the top. Are you uh, 
Would you uh, class yourself as an alien species? No. No. Okay. So, human. Yes. Okay. So, human, best known for being in the films. Um. Why? Oh, prequel trilogy uh, era. Yes. Exactly. Okay, so right. You know, we got to quick keep it. Oh. Uh... Prequels, you know. Is it oh, okay? Well, I'm, <laughs> do I have a wig and long hair? No, uh, it's not quite gone then. Okay, so it's certainly around the prequels. It's a human fella. Uh, is it? A, is it a man? Yes. Yes. So it is actually a human human fella from the prequels. Only really known from the films. Um, does he pedal death sticks? No. <laughs> Very no. specific. I respect oh, no. it, but no. Uh, some of you, because uh, it could be any. It could be any. It could be the third guy back in the in the bar. We're knowing your ones. <laughs> um, True. So, is he in all three of the prequel films? No. Okay, so it's a character only in a couple of the prequels. As human male, doesn't pedal death sticks. Could I class them as a kind of a, a main character? No. I don't um, think so. Okay. Oh no. Um, but, not, but, not, but it's not super obscure. It's not like oh, it's not like you know. Yeah, it's not our boy Quirv. You know, ammunition head. Is it? <laughs> is he a Jedi? <laughs> no. Okay. So human only in a few films. Not a Jedi. Um, I am no Jedi. Um. Oh, once I've got halfway through now. Um. Was it a member of the Senate? No. Wow, so no Jedi, not a politician. Was it only, were they only in The Phantom Menace? Yes. All right, here we go. Now we're cooking. I've only, I haven't got many to go. Phantom Human Menace. male. Phantom Menace, you know, so Human good. Human male, only in The Phantom Menace. Wasn't a Jedi, wasn't part of the Senate. Um, were they a pilot? Ah, uh, I... Hang on, I need to go to VAR. I need to go to VAR. Uh, Stockley Park, can you hear us? Uh, VAR check, please. I need to go VAR. We're going to do a check. All right, we're going to do a check. Was he a pilot? You know what? I'm sure he was a pilot, but that's not necessarily what he's known for. Okay, so that's a no. He's for not that. really known for that. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say no. He can just like you know. I wouldn't say I'm a driver, but I can drive a car, right? I've got a driving license. I'm a pilot. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, I'm a driver. Yeah. Does he have? Is this human male who isn't a Jedi or a senator? Do they have like? Are they known for one specific thing though? Kind of. Oh, that one won't count because I can't say yes or no because that is in, in fact I, yeah I think you need to re-ask that because that is too vague um, do they have a defining, defining moment in The Phantom Menace I mean again uh, <laughs> Probably up for debate. So it's not. So what this makes me think then is it isn't that one because it's kind of giving you a non-answer. So they aren't that. They can't be that much of a main, main, main character then if they don't really. uh, Are they on the Jedi count? No, they're not a Jedi. Um, uh, um, Right. 
I've got you down as 14 questions in. Oh, no. Is that what you have? E- 10, 1, 2, 3, 4. Yeah, 14, yep. Um, human male, not a Jedi, not a senator. Only in The Phantom Menace. Uh, isn't really a pilot. Isn't really known for anything. Oh, um, okay. Um, did they appear hmm. in any of the battles? Yes. Okay, so they appeared in any of the battles. Was it one? Were they a bodyguard? Yes. Was it Quash Panaka? Yes. Quash, Quash, Q Quashy. Yes. Yes, mate. Yes. You naughty boy. You naughty boy. Well done, mate. I got you down there as like 16. Yep. 16 or 17, I think it was. Well done. We we were in the zone right there, and I was like, he's got it. He's got it. You naughty boy. Well done, mate. And and, and that is that for this week's Star Wars Sessions game. Yes, quality game, mate. I love a bit of 20 questions. I need to get you on board with that soon, actually. Spoiler for next week's game, potentially. But um, that is that for this week's game. And sadly, that is that for this episode of Star Wars Sessions 98. Still sounds mental from a couple of lads in a coffee shop. But the fun doesn't end there. No one's ever really gone. Where can the world find us, Master Blywalker? You can find us at starwarsessions.co.uk. Search for us on socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok even. Just search Star Wars Sessions. We will be there. Drop us an email, guys. We love it. We love your voicemails. Uh, Send it to hello there at starwarsessions.co.uk. UK. And don't forget about our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Star Wars Sessions. Yeah, we're on Anchor FM, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, everywhere in the galaxy. You can find a podcast, you'll find us there. And if you love our show, please consider leaving us a good review on your podcast provider of choice and head on over to podchaser.com. It's the IMDB for podcasts. It's awesome. We're there. So drop us a review if you have a spare 30 seconds because it helps us more than you know. It gets more people listening to the show and we get some more of that filthy, naughty, syrupy engagement that we love so much from you guys. Syrupy. Uh, Yeah, Apple Podcasts, guys. Please tell all your Star Wars friends about us. Tell your mum, tell your dad, tell your mates, tell your cats, tell Captain Panaka, tell your Ewok, tell your cousin, the more the merrier. Uh, The castle's spicier. Come on. That's it. Tell Liam Neeson's weave. This is the podcast you're looking for. So until next time, from me, see ya, and from Luke, may the force be with you, always. Luke Potatoes. Luke. Paptin Kanaka. They are Essex-based podcast heroes. Why you fail? Tell that to Kanja Club.